podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Have you ever watched your dog suddenly start chasing his or her tail? Out of nowhere, an urge strikes and they're off in circles. I love this. It makes me giggle every time. And I'm so envious of this unfiltered, undecided show of spontaneity. Do you think they're spontaneous? Yes, you say. But are you this spontaneous? As humans, we think we need to control and plan everything. This is a protection we have against the unknown, the fight-or-flight mentality. From the time we are children, we are instructed to prepare, from the Boy Scout motto to SAT exams for college, the theme is always about constructing a plan. Let's become more spontaneous, be creative, Nothing is off limits. Maureen Scanlon. In this episode, Valeria Tellas interviews Maureen Scanlon on positive changes, unconditional love, connecting body and mind, and thoughts in between. Maureen Scanlon is an author, relationship expert, motivational speaker, positive change integrator, and spiritual coach. She is the founder and CEO of Maureen Scanlon Life Coaching. She has successfully helped many people, from experienced professionals to young adults and couples. Maureen focuses her tools and techniques on overcoming past negative experiences and making positive changes in our thoughts and lives. She's been featured on three TV, Good Morning Arizona, three TV, Your Life Arizona, ABC 15, Sonorian Living, Voyage Phoenix Magazine, appeared on the cover and featured in Ultimate Women International Magazine, USA Daily Times, as well as interviews on radio shows like Mind Body Radio, Business Talk Radio, and Networking Arizona. Her book, My Dog is More Enlightened Than I Am, has won a silver award from Author Shout and Top 12-Book Pick List from Spirited Woman, with a five-star rating on Amazon. Here is the interview with Maureen Scanlon.
In your own words, who is Maureen Scanlon? Who is Maureen Scanlon? I believe I was put here for the purpose of spreading the light. I believe that I am a spirit guide that helps others to look at themselves and really see the greatness that they have. And I feel that my whole, everything that I stand for is to help someone in some way to be different than they were yesterday. That's wonderful. Thank you. Before we begin to talk about the topic and the message in, in your book, My Dog is More Enlightened Than I Am, such a fun title. Let me ask you a few questions, general questions, as I mentioned before, they're warm-up questions. What is another word for life? Another word for life is love and empathy. I think without those, we have no purpose. We have no ability to connect with others. Ah, so true. How do you define love? I define love as being the influence that changes the world. So I believe that love is consistently putting others in front of yourself. And that's not to say that we don't love ourselves or that we forget about our own selves, but that we are always looking outside of who we are and how to help others show the kindness, help one another raise the vibration of the planet and just make it a better world. Yes, I agree 100%. What inspires you to be a good person and to do good things in the world? I am inspired by kindness. I am inspired by joyful things and just to show the world that it's not that hard. It's not that complicated and that life isn't about all of the distractions that we have. And we're not here for the material things. We're not here for the busyness of our jobs and having cars and homes. I am inspired by allowing people to just follow their emotions and to feel good every day and to realize the biggest thing is that you have choices and every day is a choice. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? Oh, yeah. Acceptance. We need to be way, way more accepting of one another, of situations, of things that we see happening about whether they're good experiences or bad experiences. It's just the acceptance and the knowing that all of it is orchestrated for our good, for our purpose to fulfill who we are and why we're here. Oh, I love that, Maureen. Yeah, acceptance, right? Which I connect to love a lot of times, having this deep understanding of what life is about and, and embracing that all and not rejecting parts of life. Definitely. What is your greatest joy? Oh, my greatest joy. Gosh, there's so many. There's so many things. You know, that's such a that's such a tough one. My greatest joy is seeing happiness in my loved ones and to share things that make others happy, whether it's my friends or strangers. I love spreading kindness and laughter. And I think it's just that's the whole point of being here is to enjoy, to enjoy it. And I don't think we enjoy mm, life enough. Right. Is this the purpose of life? Enjoyment? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
you know, the law of attraction is to always meet the energy with what we put out there for the desires that we want and meeting the highest vibration to me in the law of attraction is you, you get your greatest desires if you have your greatest joy and to have that duplicity as a human to stay in that place all the time is so difficult. Yes, that's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Most of the time. Hmm. What do we need in order to overcome that challenge moment by moment? Is that awareness, being reminded by other people or the books we read? What helps us the most to stay connected? Practice, practice, practice. I think with anything in life, anything that we do or we do well, we have practiced it, right? So you learn how to, you didn't come out, you know, the womb learning how to tie your shoe. You had to practice tying your shoe or, you know, the Olympic athletes, they had to practice to get to that greatness. And I believe in everything that we do in life, it's the same thing. It's not a, a one-time thing. It's not a one and done. It's this over and over practicing and mindset of if I believe this, I continue to move in the direction that I want. And staying in that place is the difficult part. Right. Wow, I love that because sometimes we tend to believe that there is a destination, a place to be, like the perfect place to be, but there's no such a thing. It's just the experience, the practice, like you said, of choosing. Yeah, it never ends. Our growth never ends until we transition. And if we transition, that means we accomplished everything. But up to that point, we just kept experiencing it and growing. And there's no end to it because you're constantly figuring out more things that you want, more things that resonate with you. So it's never done. And whether they're, again, those experiences that don't feel too great or they're uncomfortable, it's still those lessons that are helping you to grow and get past that. You know, we, we can't all have that positivity 24-7. That's, that's not possible being here in this physical world. But the practiced part of being in alignment and just staying in a place of, I know why this happened, or if something comes across your day that was unexpected, you go, okay, why did I ask for this? What am I learning from this today? What can I take from this that's helping me grow? Right, right. Which is kind of challenging to see when we are going through situations such as losing someone we love all of the sudden. That might be the moment to be even more aware and uh, in practice more inner peace in these, um, these healing tools, I would say. Right. Because as you experience the grief, you learn to go through the process of the grief and there's a reason because you're going to run into someone one day that loses someone and then you're going to help them. And I think it's kind of this leapfrog thing of I have this experience now so that later I can help someone who's going to need it. And you have an experience that you can help me with that I haven't had yet. So it's kind of this continuous cooperative uh, growing together. That's why we're here is to help each other. You cannot be in this world without having connection. You, there's, you can't go live in a cave by yourself and grow. You have to be in it with everyone else. Wow. I never heard it that way. That is so refreshing. I love the way you said that because we can't really give what we don't have. So we need to go through the experience in order to teach, yeah. in order to learn. And we're here for one another. I think that's 
sometimes the problem is that everyone kind of gets lost in their own stuff and they get so busy and it's, you know, bills and kids and busy, busy, busy. And we're forgetting sometimes to look at, you know, that big picture. The big picture is look around you every day. I always teach that we have an opportunity to foster a brand new relationship with five people. You have an interaction at some point in your day with someone different, five different people, whether it's the grocery store or at work or just online, anything you you can do to just foster these new relationships. You have no idea what you're going to get out of something just from connecting, liking something on someone's social media or sending a message that you see someone is hurting, those kind of things. I just think it's so important that we continue to reach out to one another and be there for one another. I agree, Maureen. Relationships can teach us so much, not just long-term relationships, but any kind of relationship. Right, right. right. When did you realize that your dogs were enlightened? <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's so cute. Isn't it just amazing? You know, of course, anyone who's a pet lover has animals or has been around animals, you just see there's just a shining light in them that they are so full of life and they are so involved in the things around them. They have happiness no matter what. You don't see them sulking or, you know, they're just amazing creatures. And I work from home, so I don't have a lot of social interaction as far as my work day goes. And there's days when I was just kind of stressed out or overwhelmed with work and I'd go outside and I just sat and I just watched them. They just kind of caught my attention. And it just was one of those epiphany moments where I looked at them and I thought, I, I just want to live like that. And then the ideas just started flowing and I was recognizing how good they were to one another, how they were there for me when I was, say, feeling sick or something, or how happy they were when I came home from being gone all day long. And I thought, wow, why aren't we that easygoing? And so that's where the idea for the book came from. And it just kept flowing. Every day I had a new chapter because I thought, oh, look what, because I have an Australian shepherd and a chihuahua. And I just watched them and I thought, oh, that's a great example of something I could do. Or, you know, my we'd go to the dog park and I'd see all the dogs there. And it was such a neat social experiment to watch how they all interact. Some are attracted to certain types of dogs. Some are very timid. Some are just all over the place and Mr. Popular. And I thought they're just spiritually like we are, but they're just so much more at peace with life and being on this planet. And it's just, they're, they're beautiful. They're so beautiful and they're so giving and unconditional. And I think that's what I love so much about animals. Wow. It, this is one of the words that I read in your book, like caught my attention was unconditional love. What is like to love ourselves unconditionally? Is that a goal? Is that a realistic idea? It really is. And my belief is that we're here physical, but we're also still in spiritual form. So we're still connected to our spiritual form. And our spiritual form is completely unconditional because it's connected to source or universe or God, whatever someone wants to call their higher power. But as we are here in the physical world, 
we unfortunately kind of cut that tether a lot of times or we forget about that connection. So to love yourself unconditionally means to look at yourself with the the eyes that you look at your family, that you adore your family, or you look at that newborn baby, or you look at your animals. It's looking at ourselves in that way where we don't focus on what we do wrong, but we continuously affirm ourselves and our successes and our beauty. And I think that's really key to doing that self-care and forgiveness. I think we don't forgive ourselves enough. I think that's really a, a stumbling block for most humans. We don't forgive ourselves. We beat ourselves up because we watch the world around us and we think we're being judged. So by staying in our own lane and in our own thoughts and saying, I'm good, no matter what happens, anything that is a difficulty was something that I asked for. And I've become better because I had that experience that I asked for. Wow, that's so true. Forgiveness, self-forgiveness and self-acceptance, right? Very much connected to self-love. You wrote, our new addiction is overstimulation and physical disconnect. So I have three questions. The first one is, what made us to become addicted to overstimulation? We as humans in our physical selves, we love convenience and we like anything that makes life easier. And I think the premise that started it out is great. You know, the path of least resistance, right? We want convenience. We want things to be smooth and flow. But unfortunately, uh, like everything else that is an addiction, uh, we didn't use moderation. And so what happened is we got addicted to the feeling of getting affirmations from people we don't even know instead of finding that within ourselves. So for instance, here's a good example. If you come from a family or you have a circle of friends that really aren't at the same place that you are, you probably don't get a lot of validation. And so we went on to this social media. One, It's a wonderful invention. It's a wonderful creation. However, it gets out of hand because now you're getting these validations that you hadn't been getting prior to social media. And all you have to do is throw something out there. It takes little effort to make a connection. You throw it out there and 100 people respond. They like it. They laugh. They love it. They comment. And now we're addicted to, wow, this is really easy for me to get the validation that I want. But on the other hand, for me, I feel it's empty. I would rather be sitting face to face in front of someone and seeing their energy, feeling their energy, giving them a hug, smiling at them. I would rather have the more meaningful connection than what we have unfortunately kind of transferred to is just the kind of empty ego boost or fulfillment that's not as meaningful. I noticed that a lot of people, they are more likely to text than to call. (laughs) They don't call anymore. It is. It's really, it's gotten to the point where you can see people, in fact, there's there's stuff on, on Facebook all the time or Instagram or whatever. There's a lot of memes about, you know, it's too peopley out there, or I'm just going to stay home today and I don't want to be out there. It's it's almost like we've encouraged this staying at home, being a kind of hermit mentality. 
it's okay to take a break and be by yourself and do some self-love. But I think, again, we didn't do it in moderation because now it's become the norm because it's so easy to still feel like you're connected to the world, but you don't have to get out of your pajamas or off your couch to do it. True. So it's the balance, finding the balance, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, What are some of your best suggestions for relaxation? Oh, so I love nature and everyone has different preferences of what they like to do. My daughter makes beautiful jewelry. Other people like to paint. I think you need to find happiness in a hobby or a side business, something that brings you absolute joy. And that removes all of that pressure from your main job that you feel stressed out and you need that money to pay the bills. But you have to do things that make you happy. So I I am a big nature person. So I always believe in going and sitting out in the middle of the yard or going for a hike or I... I do what's called rock hounding and I go out. I lucky I live very close to the superstition mountains here in Arizona and by a lake and I'll just go by myself and find rocks and crystals and, and stuff like that. So I tumble them and I find so much joy in that. So I think everyone needs to find whatever it is that just makes them laugh it makes them feel joy and takes their mind off of everything else that's going on and that's how you'll know you're relaxed and at peace is when you just feel nothing but joy in doing it yeah i love the way you connected relaxation to nature yeah i absolutely agree what about meditation do you meditate every day and do you suggest that we do it too i very much suggest meditation i think it's wonderful I have found that I have clients in in my life coaching business, and that is one of the main things that I always suggest is learning how to meditate because most people come to me and they're very overwhelmed in their lives and they don't know what's going wrong. And so I start them with the meditation. And I did a little informal study of my clients. I find that the men are capable of doing more of the silent meditations. I find that women have a harder time shutting their minds down. So the key to meditation is finding the one that works for you. And there are so many different ones. I think people don't understand that meditation is not just sitting and being quiet. It is Find something that has imagery that takes you to a different place. So you're, it's really about shutting your mind down. And then there's drums. I did like this shamanic drumming one. And then I kind of got out of that phase and I started doing like a nature one with waterfalls. So I think we shouldn't limit ourselves to the type of meditation. I think everyone should just research and pay attention to what works for you. I have a really neat story. My daughter has just kind of come into her own awakening and she's in a shift and I'm so pleased. She's been teaching her daughters yoga, my granddaughters. She's been teaching them yoga and meditation. And she found this really neat meditation online where it took the girls to this uh, unicornotopia or it was really sweet. And I said, this is so great. Mm-hmm. We're getting our kids involved in these types of things younger because my generation, this was n- none of this was spoke about. And so I'm so pleased to see our younger generations 
they're accepting meditation in schools and they're doing yoga in the PE classes. And I just think it's great to start those habits young. Right. Because everything's a practice, right? Yeah. You mentioned earlier doing something that we love to do that makes us happy. And you also talk in your book about finding our passion, following uh, our dreams. I guess my question is, besides the feeling of happiness, how do we know that we have found our passion? Oh, great question. I love that question. You will know, and I coach, I coach people on this all the time because they have that question. They're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what my purpose is or why I'm here. And all it takes is someone talking to me about something. When I say, what, what good thing really happened in your week? What, what was something that really felt good this week? What did just, you talked about it or you were around it and you felt lighter. And that's usually how we find our passion. And it's not as hard to find, I think, as people think it is. It isn't the lost Dutchman's mind. It's sitting right there, you know, on the surface we're just not looking for it because we're so distracted by everything else. And, and, you know, ironically, if I want to do the analogy, like the stones that I find, they're laying right on the ground and they have this potential of being so beautiful and they're not hidden. They're right in plain sight. So when you find yourself, you know, I have this one gentleman client and it's wonderful. And he was telling me that he was starting to volunteer and do um, like food banks and, you know, hanging out with some of the older generations, the seniors, and he just lit up. And I said, wow. I said, did you, do you realize how passionate you are? And he said, but they're so full of great stories and wisdom. And, and I said, well, there you go. You found your passion. You should be in something or doing something that involves senior citizens because it brings you so much joy. And it's not a difficult thing to find. We know, we all know what brings us joy. If it's children, if it's dogs, if it's something with nature, if it's sports, if it's anything, it's not that far away. We're just not looking for it. Yeah. So true. It's like, like you said, we know it. It takes courage because a lot of times we want to fulfill the expectations of others or to help others, people around us, our family members. And then sometimes that gets lost. We just um, drift. And going back is really important. That's one of the things that I talk a lot about with my guests. How do we balance this desire to connect and help others without losing ourselves? Oh, very very important it, because that could happen. That could easily happen. I have a method that I have everyone follow that comes to me and it starts to really help them with the balance. And it's waking up every morning before your feet hit the floor, you set your intentions for how your day is going to go. So you say, I'm going to be in balance today. I'm going to spend my day doing things that I enjoy, things that bring me joy, things that feel good to me. And when I'm not feeling joy, I'm going to recognize that that's not the path I'm supposed to be on. And so when we set those intentions, your entire day, you actually go out there and now you're aware of what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And that's the key word, awareness. Yes, yeah, self-awareness, right? So important. Talk to me about using our imagination, being creative and spontaneous. 
How do we become more spontaneous? Can that be taught, really? <laughs> that's that's yes. a follow-up question. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. You know, we all have intuition. We are all being spoken to and given messages by our spirit team. And the problem is, is if you don't listen or you're not aware or you're not paying attention, you you just let that pass, right? And then you go on to what you're going to do and what you want to do. And so the spontaneous, the spontaneity part comes in because every day you're getting some kind of a little nudge and you'll, you'll feel it. Like some people will say, oh, this person just popped into my head or this thing just came to my attention. And, and I thought, oh, that'd be really neat. And then they never thought of it again. So it's really paying attention to the inspirations that we're being given. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Mel Robbins, but Mel Robbins talks about the five second rule. And the five second rule is if it comes into your mind, do it. And I'll go further with that. For me, yes, when it comes into your mind, that is your spirit team and your higher self and source saying to you, I want you to do this because it's something that you want to do. So have you ever walked into a room and there's a crowd of people and you just see someone and you're like, wow, they look really nice. I want to, I should go talk to them, but you don't, you end up talking to all these other people and you go home and you never talk to that person. And if you had gone over and spoken to that person, you have no idea the opportunity, the knowledge, the stories that you could have gotten from them. So I feel like missed opportunities are those opportunities that we didn't take when it first just popped into our mind. We had that inspiration and we didn't take it. I did a video one time on my YouTube channel about being the CIO of your life. And the C stands for clarity. The I stands for inspiration and the O stands for opportunity. So when you have clarity about who you are and what you want to do, then the inspiration comes and then when you have that inspiration and you're paying attention to that inspiration, the opportunities follow. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me. I'm wondering how do we know the difference between our intuition, our beliefs, and the subconscious programming? That is really interesting that you say that. You will know from your programming. In fact, usually the breakthrough moment in life coaching, when I have a client in front of me is I do this exercise and it's a false belief exercise. And it's exactly that. We, we ask questions. How do you react in this situation? If something unexpected happens in your life, how does that make you feel? And you will definitely know if it's your programming, because when it's programming, these are the emotions that are associated with programming. So there's guilt, there's shame, there's embarrassment, there's fear, there's sadness. So everything that's on the negative spectrum is usually a subconscious thing that happened to us that we watched, we heard, we saw, we tasted, we touched. So all of those senses, you're usually attaching your emotions negatively to things that had happened from programming and when it's the opposite you're going to feel peace joy happiness exhilaration 
all of those things, that's how you'll know that's the difference between your programming and your conscious ability to do the inspiration that comes. Oh, wow. So it's easy to know in a way because it's associated to negative emotions. Yes. Yes. Oh, negative responses, right? Right. Because I guess negative, it's uh, it's relative too, because we we all humans and you, we could get sad. We could be sad that there's no problem in being sad. But I think the negative response is different because that's associated to something that reminds us of something of the past. Right. That had to happen. And I think everyone underestimates the fact that we've had those experiences that brought about those negative emotions. We underestimate it. And what we should do is have that gratitude for it. Because when I feel sadness from something that had happened or something I had experienced, it stays with me in my subconscious because it was the lesson that I needed to learn. So if I don't have that emotional bank associated with that experience, then I'm going to have to go through that experience again. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does very much. So fascinating how we are here to learn lessons. <laughs> it's all about learning lessons. Wow. It is. And different different lessons come with different lifetimes and different reasons. And so, you know, we've asked for different things each time I believe that we're here so that we get we that's how we expand our our knowledge and in our person, our soul. Wow. Do you believe in reincarnation, mind continuation? I do. I do. I don't believe we ever stop existing because we are energy and it, it energy never can never be killed. So it's a transition from one thing to another. So um, yeah, I absolutely believe that. And I believe we're all at different levels of how many times we've been here, how many lifetimes we've had. And there's so much more that we don't know. There's the multidimensional world that we we can't really wrap our human brains around. But when you look at the bigger picture of things that are going on around you, it starts to really make sense. And you get those puzzle pieces and you go, oh, that's why that happens. Oh, that's how come they came into my life. And then it becomes fun. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> now we are learning, we're having fun and learning it. And we because we know the purpose, we know the reason uh, for those experiences to be part of our lives. I'm wondering if the reason why we come back, if we come back, it's because of these lessons, the unlearned lessons. I do. I do. But I really feel that we will not transition without completing what we contracted to do in this lifetime. So to put it in a, a better way for people to grasp, I always say this, you had a list of things you wanted to do when you came into this life. From the time you were born to the time you transitioned back to spirit, you have a list of things that you want to do. Some of those things on the list, it took you five times to learn. So you would have five different experiences to try to get you to accomplish that piece of the list. But coming here, we do finish everything we need to do on the list. Um, and then your next life, I do believe that we'll have a different set of things on the list. And so I feel like we are here. We are not, we don't transition until we have accomplished all those things. So some people only need 10 years to do it. Some people need 110 years to do it. So it just depends on where your vibration is and where your conscious mind is as far as the willingness, 
I didn't discover all of this until, you know, I was 40-ish, 40, maybe three or four years ago. Now, I have a daughter who just, like I said, she came into her own enlightenment, and she's 30 this year. And I have another daughter who's, you know, had this kind of enlightenment since she was in college. So from that example, we're all at a different level. So we're all going to accomplish our lists at a different speed and at a different time and experience whatever we ask for multiple times. Or maybe it just takes one time, one experience to say, oh, I don't want to do that again. Now I know I'm wiser in that. And that's where... I think we run into problems by comparing ourselves to everybody else. I always say we're running our own race. You know, maybe you're in a sprint and I'm in a marathon. You know, maybe I'm a walker and, you know, you're a runner. It's but we have to stay in that mindset of I'm doing what I need to do. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm doing a great job where I am. Mm, Yeah, it goes back to the self-acceptance, self-love, self-knowledge. Right. Yeah. Talk to me about being in the moment and the recipe for a great relationship. Because <laughs> I know you know about that stuff. <laughs> I do. I do. I love that. So really a kind of an ex- exciting thing I have um, coming up. I'm actually <clears throat> writing my second book called My Dog is My Relationship Coach. It, it's going to be all about relationships and marriage and dating So that's going to be really fun. So I I love this question. Living in the moment is, oh, you know, that's just, to me, that's probably the everything that brings your joy in your day. So instead of worrying about, oh my gosh, this, what is this, what's going to happen five minutes from now or five hours from now or five days from now. So the living in the moment is, it's the hardest thing to teach. I, I can't even explain how hard, how difficult that is in this world today, especially because it's such a hustle minded world. And everyone thinks, even with the motivational kind of momentum that everyone has, everyone thinks if I'm hustling, I'm succeeding. And it's so not true. If you're peaceful where you are, then you're succeeding. So it's completely the opposite of what people think it is. I feel like if you're relaxed and you're in the moment and you're enjoying the people around you or the work that you're doing or just enjoying a beautiful day, like how many people actually look at each day and say, it's a really pretty day out. I'm enjoying the weather. I look at the weather every day. I comment about the weather every day and I think about this. When I was younger, I had a grandmother that lived in another state, and I never really knew her that well, but she would write us letters. And every time she wrote a letter, all she talked about was the weather. And so I laugh now because I'm always talking about the weather, and I'm like, wow, I became this grandma that talks about the weather. But it really is an awareness. It's an awareness now that I have that I have before because I was so busy and stressed out with life and raising children and working. And now it's an appreciation that I have with the world around me, I think is more the big picture is just interacting with the world around me. When it comes to the relationships, I'm, I'm a big advocate for 
going out in the world and, and making friends and just speaking to others and being kind to others. You have no idea the impact you can make on one person every single day that may have needed your kindness, your words, your story, your laughter, your joking around with them, your compliment to them. So I just think it's so important that we look further beyond ourselves and really pay attention to the world around us oh, yeah. and make it better. Let's talk about getting out of our comfort zones. Why is this so challenging to do? Oh, yeah, that's my favorite subject. So if you think about it, anything that you have ever done in your life that you learned from, you were uncomfortable, right? So you have you always had to do something that you hadn't done before and it was uncomfortable. So as we go through life, we get into these places of this is where I feel safe. And the human subconscious is, is prone to protect us from things that are dangerous to us or things that, that we're fearful of. So the human subconscious will say, we don't want to do that because that is scary. That is something that we don't know. That's not the known. So we're going to stay back to the conscious mind that says, ooh, we know what this feels like and it feels safe. So I'm going to stay in this place. The only way to get out of that comfort zone is to have a feeling of joy or exhilaration about it. So you say to yourself, I'm going to do something today that I've never done before. And every day I wake up and I say that I say, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something out there to someone and put myself out there or do a video or anything that is out of the norm for me. And if I'm not feeling good about it, I will not do it. If I'm like, oh, I'm really nervous or that, uh, I don't know, that will keep me in my comfort zone and I won't do it. But the minute that I feel excited about something, that's when I know it's time to move on it. And if anyone wants to to get out of their comfort zone. They have to have an excitement and a joy about it because if they have a fear about it, then it's not coming from a place where they're going to meet that vibration of success. You know, they're going to be resentful or they're going to have anxiety over it. And anxiety is just fear. So if you're not, it's always being guided by your emotions. So if you're not feeling good about something, then you just don't do it that day until you can get to that place where I feel good about it and I want to do it, then you'll move forward. Yeah, because it made me think about fear, how so many people confuse that getting out of our comfort zones with uh, challenging fear, and then they do something that they are afraid of, and most of the time are dangerous things. And I don't think, I agree, I don't think that's the place to go or the way to live. Right, right. I agree. And there are, you know, there are like therapists and stuff that would say, oh, we'll do exposure therapy. So if you're afraid of heights, we're going to take you bungee jumping. I, I don't know that I believe that's okay. I feel like if you're not doing it out of free will and you're not ready to do that, then we shouldn't push ourselves until we are yes, ready. Right. Because you're associating that to the feeling of enthusiasm and excitement in a positive way, not coming from fear like having to do because you're afraid of. 
Right. And I think that's where like trauma comes in. And I think that's where PTSD and, you know, when we're doing things that we're not prepared for, we're causing ourselves more harm than good. And it's okay to say, I'm not ready. It's okay to do that. I tell people that all the time. I always say, then you're not ready. If you're not ready, there's nothing wrong with that because every day you're at the exact place you're supposed to be. If you are at the exact moment, minute, second, millisecond that you're supposed to be at, you're doing a great job. And when you are ready for that thing that you fear now, you won't feel fear. You'll feel exhilaration and excitement. And, you know, we've all done that. We've done, you know, risk taking the first time we had to get behind the wheel of a car. Yeah, it was scary, but weren't we excited? You know, because it meant freedom. I'll be able to drive a car and not have mom and dad drive me around. So <laughs> anything that you do that you haven't done before has to come from a place of excitement. Yeah, I like that. Because then we do it and it's, it's easier for us to do it anyway, too. It's It flows better. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea a lot and makes me think about being honest. If you're not ready, be yourself. Just be spontaneous. That is a great thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely is just don't be hard on yourself. And to piggyback on this, one of the most difficult things for for us is that we have expectations, whether it's expectations we put on ourselves or our family and friends put on us and you know, there's a lot of expectations that are supposed to be met. And that's where the fear of the unknown versus the expectations, that space in between is really where people come into this anxiety and depression and feeling like, oh, I either can't do it or I don't want to do it. And so letting go of our own expectations of ourselves and letting go of any expectations anyone else has on us is so important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of letting go, you talk about control and letting go in your book a lot. You mentioned many times. What is the difference between protecting and controlling? Oh, huge, big difference. I know it sounds the same, doesn't it? Protecting and controlling. You think, okay, if I'm protecting something, then I have control over the situation that won't allow it to happen. Yeah. And it's so completely opposite. And I write in the book about a situation with my daughter. So my oldest daughter and I had a lot of struggles with her growing up. And she wanted to make a lot of choices that I did not agree with because A, I had experienced them through my own choices and saw that they weren't good choices. And B, I wanted to protect her from feeling the pain that I had experienced as well. The difference was by controlling, I inhibited her from doing the growth that I had to do by making those same choices. So that was not a good idea. I cannot control another person's will or purpose or greatness to be here and do what they're here to do. The protection part of it is I can protect you only in the way that I can love you. And, and by loving you, then you love yourself and then you make those decisions out of love and not out of fear or feeling that I'm stopping you from experiencing your life and making your choices. And it took me a long time to realize that when it comes to our children, 
We are here to guide them. We are not here to make their choices for them. We are not here to stop them from growing and from making mistakes that are not, they're not mistakes, they're experiences. I can't prevent my children from feeling any emotion because if they don't experience those emotions, they cannot grow. How do you know happiness if you haven't had sadness? How do you know, you know, the, the highs if you don't have the lows. But as a mom, you want to protect them from all the lows and the sadness. And you just can't. You just have to love them through it and say, I love you no matter what. I see your worth. You are amazing. And you will figure this out. But in the meantime, I'm always here for you. And that was the simplest way to parent in the world, but the hardest thing to do. Mm. Wow, that's really, really great the way you speak, um, using love as a way of protecting. In a way, also you're saying trust, just trusting. Yeah. Really beautiful. Yes. Coming to my last questions to you, what is your definition of a friend? This is a really good question because I think people do not define their friends in the right way. And I always told my girls growing up that you clean out the friendship closet once a year. And by cleaning out a friendship closet, that means you have to have a friend who serves as well as receives. And my definition of friendship is, again, you have to have friends that give unconditional love. I've had many of people in a circle and the older you get, your circle gets a lot smaller because you realize the value of the loyalty the honesty, and the unconditional love. And there's not enough of it in the world, I should say. But the higher you have your vibration, the more people you'll attract to the same type of friend that you are. So my definition of friendship is just, again, coming back to the unconditional love. And someone that you know loves you and accepts you for who you are. It's no different than picking a mate. And I think a mate is a friend and a friend is a mate. I think it's all one and the same. Your friendships and your romantic relationships or spouses or family, I think they all have the same components, just different titles, right? Yeah. Do you differentiate calm from peace? Oh, great question. Uh, to me, they represent the same thing. Because when I look, I wrote them down as you said them. And I looked at both of them and I wanted to see how I emotionally reacted to each one of them. And I reacted the same. Calm to me is being at peace and being at peace is being calm in your life. I believe they're one in the same because I get the same emotional reaction when I think of either one of them. Wonderful. What is success to you? Oh, I love this question. Success to me is what a legacy you leave when you leave this planet. When you leave and you transition back to spirit, success to me is, did you plant seeds in those around you? Did you leave, did you leave a picture of what love is, what unconditional love is, what compassion is, and what kindness is? That's success to me. It's not about money. It's not about possessions. It's not about anything, how many friends you have to meet. It's what, what will people feel about you when you're no longer here? That's success when it's good. Wow. What a beautiful answer. Thank you. 
What is to be strong? To be strong is to have a belief, a belief that you love who you are, that you are confident in who you are, and that you have the ability to accept and have no doubts that you have a purpose here. I think that's strength. And strength comes in many different forms, too. And I think being able to be calm in a storm or to be able to give words of wisdom to those who need them at a moment or to give a hug to someone. I think it's being that pillar of support and something that someone needs that you can give in moments that they don't have it. So I think it's a lot of giving and getting, whether it's strength for yourself or strength for others. Wow. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life? The hardest lesson was believing that I was lovable, that I was worthy, and that I actually had a say in how my life goes. Oh, and that's that's what I'm so passionate about letting people know is that it's not life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you by the choices that you make. And I didn't know that for years. I gave and I gave and I gave to people that were not serving me, people that did not understand me or accept me and when I finally made my mind up to see my worth and not lower myself ever again to where my standard used to be, it, it made all the difference in the world. Yeah, it makes so much sense. That goes for all of us, I guess. Yeah. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life? Not a single one. I had this conversation with my husband. Um We had gone out to dinner and I, I did have a glass of wine, um, <laughs> but on, on the way home, I said to my husband, if I were to transition tomorrow, I am so completely happy with everything that I have done up until this very minute. I said I would not have done anything any different. And that's where I know I'm at peace. That's what I said. I said, I know I'm at such contentment and peace with my life because I could transition and be completely fine with it. I know that I have a lot more left to do, but I would be okay with if this were my time. Mm, that is such a wonderful thing to say in state of mind to be. I think if you pay attention, you probably already have been through this. I'm not sure about losing an animal. That's how they transition, as you put, peacefully. Yeah. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? That's a loaded one. That one will take another 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> as cliche as, as it sounds, I for sure can just say love conquers all. Love conquers all. That's just, it's so simple. And you can love yourself through anything and you can love someone else through anything that they're going through. And that much I know is that through love and compassion, that 
solves everything. Wow. Yes, yes, a thousand times to that. A thousand times. <laughs> um, it has been a wonderful conversation, Maureen. Um, meaningful, fun. Thank you so much for being you. Oh my you. gosh, Valeria, you are so amazing. So grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, services? Absolutely. I am on, I have a website, www.lifecoachmaureen.com. It has all of the information about me and where you can get the book. You can actually buy it right there. Amazon and Barnes and Noble carry our book. And I also have a Facebook page, Life Coach Marine S. So all my information is on that website. So everybody come and find me and talk to me, interact with me, and just reach out. I love hearing from everyone. Great. Thank you so much again for your presence, and I'll talk to you soon, Marie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Maureen Scanlon, please visit her website, lifecoachmaureen.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>